politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow dirtbags and expendables to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze Media. Daniel Horowitz back in the house without any sleep last night on the phone all night, as all of you have been. But we are all dirtbags and scumbags and expendables, and therefore government can do anything to us um, because it's all to preserve democracy, of course. Um, you know, everything's democracy. Um, COVID, you know, COVID, we got to uh, spend your faith, family, community and life and business and bodily integrity. And we got to let out all the criminals from jail so it doesn't spread there. But then we have to put you in it. So, you know, it does spread. And then because it's COVID, well, we have to change election day and just have election year um, and have mail-in ballots instead of in-person voting because we have to preserve democracy. Um, And anyone who opposes that is opposing democracy and uh, you are a threat. It creates an emergent situation. And look, you know, we're going to follow the law and the science and – Folks, <laughs> that that's basically a, a minute presentation of why you might be counting your lucky days if you love this show, how long we can even broadcast it, uh, given the times we live in. Now, obviously, I made the mistake of doing a very heavy show yesterday with a lot to unpack after the Georgia Senate races just uh, a couple hours before all hell broke loose. And it almost buried everything I said on that show, which, by the way, I don't think any of my points have fundamentally changed. I don't really think much has changed. Everyone gets very dramatic with Twitter and social media these days. Before we delve into it, I don't really think that much has changed other than um, they will use that as a pretext to silence us even more. And in very scary ways, we will get to. Now, first off, folks, I don't have to tell you guys that if there was ever a time when we needed to learn how to properly defend ourselves, properly use a firearm, concealed carry, properly draw a weapon, the protocols strategically to how to protect yourself, but also protect yourself legally um, in terms of the government... Not that we're going to get a fair shake in court anyway, if God forbid we were in such a situation, but you got to do what you can. It's now, and that's why I want you guys to remember, join me with constitutioncoach.com out in Front Sight, Nevada, February 7th for both three and five day training periods from the best, really the best people in the business. Um, let's come meet each other. Let's strategize. Let's pray together, strategize together. As we shoot all day from 8 to 5, you could go to constitutioncoach.com, get all the details. I'll be out there with Rick Green and my buddies. Um, It's a way for us to meet up and meet up in person, not on social media, which is actually more important than ever for a number of reasons. And most of all, you're going to have a good time. You're going to get the best training that you've ever gotten, and it could really save your life. So again, constitutioncoach.com. Uh, partner this month with the CR podcast. It is one of the most righteous things we can do. Now, how much speaking of righteousness, <clears throat> in Zechariah 
I believe 618, it's, I know it's in chapter 6, talks about loving the pursuit of truth and peace. And it very deliberately places the word truth before peace. You have to have truth before you could have peace. And I'm going to really go through this out of order because there's too much to say in one show, in in a week of shows. But let me just start off from just the beginning, the beginning and end, which is not the main course, the beginning of the day, what happened, and then the end of the day to tie it together, just to set the table of where we are. And, And just so you know once and for all that I wasn't joshing you for the last number of years when I said that the entire conservative movement at a professional level is fake. It's a corporatist conservative movement. It's it's nothing but pay for play. Um, they're a bunch of cowards that their morality is defined by the media. And again, the, the, the big thing about the media is more than their bias of what they do report. It's the obfuscation of what they don't report. So it gives people people a certain vision over a week, a month, a year. Of, of what is actually the truth. And these phony conservatives are so, de- so, so desirous to internalize everything the media is throwing at them that they so badly want to be loved by them and show that they're clean, they're good, when really they are the very dirtbags that have caused this and have gotten us into this situation. Now, I just want to say from the get-go that my conscience is clean. As all of you are witness to, those of you who have followed my career, there are very few people alive that consider themselves conservative that have spent more time publishing more ideas than I have intellectually, strategies to use every institution and democratic means of trying to restore what is rightfully ours, the basic constitutional governance, the proper role of the feds, of the states, of each three branches of government, of what are fundamental rights and what aren't, the relationship between the feds, the states, and the individual, and keeping it in its proper sphere, and having prudent policy that is rooted in ordered liberty, where government is really focused on the true threats, domestic and foreign, while protecting and preserving the liberties at home. I have thought out of the box. Maybe not all my ideas were great, but I would think some of them are. 20 ideas on healthcare, 20 ideas on immigration. I mean, you can Google all my listicle articles, strategies for how to make state legislatures work better and how to do this and how to do that. And in fact, I'm literally working on this right now. Even as everyone's talking about civil war, I'm working with, all sorts of state legislators to try to push different ideas and resolutions and strategies to make sure that our voice is heard and that we have a country where we could live harmoniously, where our states will be able to represent us the same way their states represent them. So at least we don't have any of this violence and we could agree to disagree um, in, in somewhat of an agreeable fashion. I have been pushing that more than any of these people. All of these people that poo-poo everything and the tut-tut, this is not who we are, this is not what we do. 
They have never shown, well, what is who you are? I know that's not what you are. What is who you are? What do you do? What is your plan? And the answer is they don't have one. And the reason they don't have one is not because it's a disagreement tactically or strategically. They don't care because they don't share our values. This is not, just know with all these Twitter conservatives, these people have their jobs, and the Republican elected officials who reflect them, which are 95% of them, they don't reflect our values and they never did. It's just become more evident because the left has become so much more destructive and successful in implementing it, meaning really always you had this perfidy, but it's become more apparent just because the, the consequences are so grave. But anyway, what happened was, here's the irony. So we have a situation where they suspend democracy for an entire year. I mean, we saw that. Literally, the the bare bones definition of democracy. I mean, you know, I know I'm a dirtbag. I'm a violent neo-Nazi. I guess I'm like a Jewish neo-Nazi in the minds of these shurish and smart, respected conservatives. Um, But, you know, um, Justice Alito is, I, you know, he's kind of a respected Federalist Society, Sharia smart conservative, and he basically warned, like, dude, we have arbitrary executive power just running every aspect of our life. We have never had this in the history of our country. And he came out and said it. And, you know, you don't seem to see a sense of urgency from any of these people. And then came along a plan from conservatives, whether, you you know, a certain group of Trump supporters, whether you agree or disagree, we're going to have a rally. And but more importantly, we're going to have we're going to debate and contest, as has been done about 10 times in history, um, the voter fraud. And there is a vote whether to certify. So we have the right to object. It's part of the rules. It's part of the statute. And we don't have enough votes, but we're going to air it out and try to push for election reform. Okay, I mean, you know, whatever. And and the, and these guys just went nuts. I've never seen anything like it. Friends of mine, people I've had on the show. Like, I've never seen them. They were lying down on the tracks. They thought they were giving give me liberty or give me death speeches like Patrick Henry. Oh, my God, you're suspending democracy. I mean, it's 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 hilarious. They won't stand with Larvita McFarker and any of these people being arrested for opening a business, tased and dragged away for not wearing a mask. Things we could have never envisioned. That's not a threat to democracy, evidently. It was funny during this whole violence like yesterday, the North Carolina governor came out. I'm extending the stay at home order another few months. I was like laughing my head off. No one has a problem with that. They were like democracy and, and, and you know. This is these guys are suspending democracy. So therefore, uh, we need to suspend democracy and have a coup and throw out Trump and Pence needs to kick him out. And like, it's amazing the way these guys think. But what was funny to me is it was actually a really nice debate. I mean, I hate both parties, but to give them credit, it was actually it started out with Arizona and before all hell broke loose outside and then broke into the, to the chamber. But. You know, it was actually a pretty nice debate. You know, Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and Paul Gosar, these guys laid out the case as much as they could in a five minute speech. And, you know, Zoe Lofgren of the Democrats and several other speakers, Jamie Raskin, and they they vigorously said there's nothing here and you guys are wrong. And it was it was actually a, it was a good debate. 
Um, no one even name called or anything. And and it was it was like for all the talk about suspending democracy, that was actually very healthy for it. I think whatever your view is, whatever your persuasion is, whatever your opinion on the election is, whatever your opinion on Trump is, that's the that's the funny irony. But that was their problem. And then fast forwarding to the end after everything happened yesterday. Then most of the Republicans, I mean, really all of them ultimately dropped their objection. Yeah. Oh, my God. We can't have this. Okay. Okay. We're certifying. And I'm thinking, like, what do the two have to do with each other? I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, if you believe the election was stolen, like Marsha Blackburn, and I'm just picking the names off the top of my head, Steve Daines, you understood that it was, that, that it was fraudulent. And they violated the Constitution by overriding state legislatures, two clauses of the Constitution, one in Article 1 one in Article 2. So that didn't change. I mean, you could talk about prosecuting people who broke into the chamber and, you know, the need for in the future to ensure that the if you have a very large rally of any persuasion, that they just seal off and secure the areas, which why it wasn't is still a pretty disquieting mystery, I would just say. But what does that have to do with the issue? Like, for example, this this is very dangerous because, for example, let's say Joe Biden says one day that um, we're going to uh, suspend the freedom of speech of anyone who opposes COVID fascism. Um, It's the science. It's the law. It's an emergency. You're killing lives, you know. We thought we were making headway, but these people are convincing too many people to do unsafe things. And this is for your good. This is the science. This is the law. And if you think they won't do it, um, I got news for you. Now, the only problem with my analogy is they wouldn't go to Congress. He would do it executively. But just indulge me for a minute. And you have a vote on this. And you have a debate. And obviously, that's going to bring strong protests to the Capitol. And let's say... You know, a very tiny percentage do the wrong thing, you know, rough up the Capitol Police, give them a hard time, break in, smash windows, sack the place. And they're like, yes, you're right. We're voting for the bill. Yes, we can't have this. So you're basically saying their position is that as long as any violence results, from anything, certainly the protests themselves need to be shut down, even though, you know, we've always heard 99% not nonviolent, it's be shut down. And the issue that they are pushing, I automatically have to vote the other way. Let me explain to you the position of 99.9% of the Republicans and phony conservatives, some of whom are friends, was during BLM. This was a group that had sustained rioting that in each city dwarfed Rodney King, but it was every major, mid-sized, and some small-sized cities in this entire country. It would take a PhD in math to figure out how much glass was broken, how much damage was done, how many people, innocent people, were beaten to a pulp, how many people died during the things and how many people died as a result of them getting what they wanted. Okay. 
I was the one saying shoot to kill. I was the one saying um, the Insurrection Act, which it was. Trump blinked. Even the most hawkish, smart, surish conservatives said, yeah, there's too much violence. This is horrible. But they always said, A, it's your right and you should continue peacefully protesting. And number two, they have valid grievances. And this is why Tim Scott and all these Republicans introduce so-called police reform, rewarding their behavior. They have valid grievances. Not only aren't we going to turn against it, but what they're doing is a pretext, is an impetus for us to promote their agenda. And immediately their agenda was etched into the culture and the consciousness of every private sector business institution, every human being alive that had a dog farm or a accounting firm with three people in it had to put out a statement of what a god George Floyd was. Even though all the details turned out to be false and he was a piece of garbage, human debris. He was Mother Teresa. Cops are horrible. This is a systemic problem. We need police reform. We lock up too many blacks. We just grab them off the streets for no good reason. And they have nowhere to turn. And this is the only way they can do it. And it's time we address it. Yes, I don't like what they're doing. I'm not even talking about Chris Cuomo's. uh, Here, let's play Chris Cuomo's quote here. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I mean, dude, he, he's the brother of a governor, prominent CNN host. A lot of them were saying that. Their point was, when you are desperate and you have nowhere to turn, what do you do? Now, we're going to get back to that point. But I'm saying I'm not even talking about the Democrats today. I'm not even talking about the Mitt Romneys. I'm talking about, I mean, people we thought were Freedom Caucus guys. I'm talking about all these conservative writers and bloggers and talkers. I never heard any of this reaction at the time. They were all like, we need police reform this is what I warned about. I did a show in July on this message to the title. You can look it up. Daniel Horowitz, Google Daniel Horowitz message to America's youth. Violence is the answer and crime pays. It was something like that. It was a show I did in July. And the point was at the same time, our children were being kicked out of school. The mental health crisis that is boiling over in this country. The social isolation. The shutting down of life, liberty, and property. And business owners would hold these small rallies and cry, play the national anthem, and beg, shut up, talk to the hand. They have often tried to block them from holding it because you're spreading COVID, while at the same time you had, I mean, the largest gatherings we had in our nation's history. I forgot how many millions of people were estimated to have participated. And a very large percentage were violent to the level that was violent yesterday. Um, I mean, a very large percentage were 
way over it. Nobody had a knife or a gun there yesterday. Um, as bad as as certain things were, um, and and this was this was commonplace. You had repeat violent offenders that shot and killed Trump supporters in Colorado, in Oregon. They were let out previously during the rioting despite their gun felonies. We were told that their cause was so righteous, it had to be indulged. We had to suspend policing. They ceded an entire police station to them to burn to the ground as payment. They burned and destroyed over 1,500 buildings just in Minneapolis alone. Destroyed God knows how many black businesses. They blocked interstate highways and beat motorists, but the motorists would get prosecuted. None of them would get prosecuted. Folks, January 6, 2021, yesterday, that was nothing new. That wasn't a revolution. The revolutions were on March 16th of last year, 2020, and May 26th. March 16th was the date that we no longer had liberty, if you're of a certain ilk, if you know what I mean. COVID. The, the COVID Constitution. That's when the White House started with 15 days to stop the spread. When we fundamentally threw out 400 years of science and law and prudence and sanity. That was the revolution that was a bigger revolution. It's un- You cannot imagine. It has done more to our cultural psyche, the mask insanity, than, than anything in the history of the world. And then May 26th, the night they, the rioters just sacked, and it was like the first time in history when it was openly conveyed to them, you're right, try not to take it too far, but if you do, it's not like we're going to do anything anyway. We're like, oh my gosh, like, dude, they're they're burning state and federal courthouses. They're, you, you can't let this stand, right? You're not going to let it. And it was night after night after night. And the more they did it, the more both parties would indulge their grievances, the more it was legitimized. Go reap what you sow. I have been as principled and, and as consistent as anyone around over the years. But this is not whataboutism. At some point, it's not like, hey, you know, I remember there was this far-flung event when the left did things and it was okay, so we could just, you know, break things. And I'm not saying we should do it anyway. What I'm saying is you could have a double standard that is so etched into our law, our media, our politics, our policy that it's inescapable. It's unavoidable. D.C. was set on fire. They were right at the White House of the president to go in the bunker. And all these guys, what were they saying? The National Guard responded with two heavy-handed tactics. They weren't bothered by that. It was much more widespread. Trump supporters every time got beaten on the streets and nothing was done. They were often arrested and not the perpetrators. So you have this time where truly it was mostly peaceful. Hundreds of thousands of people. There's a lot of murky things. There's about 100 people that seem to get in. But even that's murky because getting in, I mean, you do have a right to go in. I mean, I'm just telling you, every contentious vote, 
that is taken in the legislatures and it happened this year. You saw the videos from Madison, Wisconsin. The entire galleries are lined with the peoples. The way it looks outside, the way it looked at the Trump rally outside on the steps, that's how it looks inside the state chambers. Every time. This is happens all the time. And they break things and do stuff. You know, now, look, my view, I'm consistent. I believe when you have a lot of people that are very belligerent, generally you have access to public ground, but you don't have a constitutional right in every way and any time to gain entry, and they should just seal it off. And that really is the biggest question. They knew about this for weeks. I'm hearing they denied DOD's offer for National Guard help. They knew this was going to be a problem, the size of it, and... Not only that, they appear to have let them in initially, um, which is weird. We have to find out more details of who did what and what did what. I'm not saying not a single legitimate Trump person, Trump supporter, did nothing wrong. Of course they did. The breaking windows, the sacking of of things in there and the you know destruction, throwing things on the ground and, you know, obviously breaking into the chamber itself and doing what they did. But dude, that's the Boy Scouts compared to the most minor BLM riot of what they did. They put the courthouse in Oregon under siege for for weeks and blinded the eyes of the agents, the federal agents. There is no evidence, we would have seen pictures, of any Capitol Hill police person being meaningfully injured. Of course, the only casualties are the Trump people. As it always is. At the weakest riot, especially that those first two weeks, you had maybe 300 Metro police in the given city injured, bleeding profusely from the head. And this is just what we were able to glean. The media covered it all up. And these guys, all these conservatives are like, we've never seen anything like this. Oh my God. I mean, that, that's not what about is what I'm doing. That is sick. That mentality. Now, look, I am consistent. I believe that the feds are doing their job. Meaning, and I'm going to get to this very soon, because I get it from both ends. I get accused of being inciting right-wing terrorism. But then other people, you know, some of you guys will say, well, Daniel, you know, it sounds like you're saying that at the end of the day, you know, these people shouldn't have done that. Um, but you always say this is worse than the American Revolution. I mean, the grievances, we've exhausted them all. Well, you know, don't we have the right to, as I read yesterday from Maryland's uh, Declaration of, of Rights, to uh, um, reform the old or establish new government? The doctrine of non-resistance is absurd, slavish, slavish and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. I'm going to answer that. I'm going to get to that, but I'm just telling you, to me, that you know, where that needs to be done is a defensive act. And you know, if the police come and arrest you in your home for doing nothing, for opening your business, but they do have a right and an, an imperative to protect the capital. And like, you know, I've, I've said this all the time: you can't have a bunch of belligerent people and be like, "Well, I'm mostly peaceful." and expect to have access to state and federal buildings and whatever. And I'm consistent about that. But dude, 
This is one one millionth of what BLM has done. But then let's get to the grievances. Their grievances were BS. They were disproven. It it turns out they're the ones who released the criminals. They're under-incarcerated, under-arrested. Every one of these things is a lie. They're people charging at police with knives. The Floyd thing was a lie. He died of a heart attack. And anyway, it doesn't justify anything. It has nothing to do with anything. Their movement caused, don't quote me on this because they're rough numbers. We're not going to know until the FBI data is out, but roughly 4,000 excess homicides over the five-year average. And we know that typically 54% of homicide victims are black, but given the location and cities and circumstances of the excess deaths, it's likely more than three quarters of them being black. So it's easily to say that BLM is responsible for 2,500 more black homicide victims this year. But Republicans still believe in their cause. Yet us, we're expendable. We don't matter. We don't matter. Now again, I, I do apologize for being a little disjointed today. There's a lot going on here. But I want, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump around to different points philosophically, strategically, and observations and, and, and what we really need to do. But I want to say, I want to address what I mentioned a moment ago. Why not be violent? Okay. You know, Daniel, you always criticize theoretical conservatives that say things, but then their words ring hollow because if their words are really true, you should, it necessitates a certain thing. And, you know, when the founders taught, the American Revolution wasn't a, um, you know, just a civics class. I mean, it got pretty rough. And the Declaration of Independence was very clear. Life, liberty, property, and the right to abolish a tyrannical government. That is a right, an imperative. It's in most of the state constitutions. That wasn't just like some cute language. Now, they were clear it wasn't in light and transient causes. It has to be when they, it's, it's just totally tyrannical. There's no redress. And you said we're over that level times a million. So, Daniel, what do you mean by, well, we should do everything, but you know, always, always, always avoid violence? So there's a lot to say about that. There's a lot to say about that. Part of my frustration is that you have to understand you have to walk before you run. And let's say violence is level 100. We haven't even done one. We haven't done any of this stuff I've been talking about. We haven't even told, had state governors and red states tell the federal courts just to stuff it. You know what I'm saying? We haven't done anything, any of these things to even bring it to the point where it would make sense, but more importantly, where it would be successful. Our founders talk about this all the time. Jefferson, I don't have the quote in front of me. I'm sure you guys could look it up, but where he said, hey, you know, it's often good to have a little bit of rebellion going on. But then he, in his next sentence, he couched it with, you know, they often result in even more tyranny. Um, uh, Washington talked about mob violence. Well, what do you mean? You agree with overturning a government that's tyrannical. So again, it means you you 
you have to be organized. So they had the cur- committees of correspondence representing the states, and they were concurrently they had a plan. Um, they concurrently had a plan because the point is, if you don't, what do you get? Let's say you didn't have Capitol Police yesterday. What were you trying to accomplish? What what were you trying to accomplish there? I mean, were they going to rip up the certification? Were they going to kidnap the members? Were they going to just shout at them? I don't know. But I'm just saying, what what are you going to accomplish? They're just going to use that against us to shut down our liberties even more. And, you know, Jefferson talked about this being an unsuccessful rebellion. If you shoot at the king, you can't miss. (laughs) Um it's got to be the right time, the right place, the right circumstances, directed, very targeted. Violence, to say violence is never right is, is a vacuous statement, as righteous as it sounds, because it's like, well, if someone's going to beat up your wife, you shouldn't employ violence. No, viol- and you, there, there's 1% of times where it's, it's needed, um, but it has to be extremely targeted. Who are you targeting with it? It has to be the minimal amount needed to under the just laws of the constitution and more importantly of God to defend yourself and do what you're doing. And there's no self-defense in just prospectively offensively trying to just sack a federal building or something. Um, there's nothing you're going to, there's no end to it. Um, th- there just isn't. I, I, and I'm talking about no matter what our guys do to us, like even if they start sending out federal agents to shoot us, I'm not, I mean, in that case, I wouldn't care if they sacked the federal bill. I'm just saying, it's not going to accomplish anything. If you're going to get physical in some way and start getting, and, and nowhere near the level of BLM, but start getting a little rough, breaking windows, shoving the police, the barriers, save it for Larvita and these people. I mean, if we had a fraction of this energy, you would go to all the, like, have a list of businesses and go to them and surround them when they get the summons. That is the American Revolution. And I am all for that. Let me be very clear. If government, because that is black and white, there is nothing you could do to avoid that. I am I am permanently ensuring that there is no way you can earn a living and we're doing it indefinitely with no evidence, no standards, no redress. Shut up. This is what the executives are doing. If that is not tyranny and you don't think it is, you never were a conservative and you never were a constitutionalist. That is a fact, and and that is justified, because they then in that case it's the police not just doing their job, you know, like like you and me protecting the capital, and they're getting harassed, like like just like BLM did to them. No, it's you're arresting them for literally breathing. We're not going to allow you to do that. And if you guys want to try to break through and up the ante and employ violence as police to execute something that is immoral. I'm just following orders, crap. All bets are off. But by golly, save it for that. That would accomplish something. That would speak directly to the linchpin of what they're doing. You know, there's, what, what we don't do is, hey, you know, they're destroying our lives, so I'm just going to take, you know, randomly take my grievances out on people or the police or whatever. And, and again, even yesterday with the ugliness of it, there is no evidence of an innocent civilian being beaten or really even a cop, at least in a meaningfully way, being beaten. And this is the worst that the right wing has ever done, assuming most of this even came from them. Again, you got to put this in perspective compared to what we've been seeing, and that does matter. 
you can't blame people for thinking, you know, I guess law enforcement's kind of a paper tiger. Because you know what? This was able to go on for, for weeks and months where they looked weak. It was like BLM were the cops. They set up checkpoints with impunity. It is their fault for not doing as I suggested at the time. Had my policies been implemented over the years, we would have achieved peace because the leftist behavior would have been put into check. And they would have either had to back down or we would have self-sorting. The reason we don't have peace is because we don't have truth. Is because the left keeps getting more radical and they're going to keep, they're not going to have a detente like Republicans want to have after this. They're going to get even worse. And the more you don't represent our side, the more, and it's going to start with certain characters, inevitably are going to get ugly. That is a historical fact. There literally is no choice. Do I want that? No, which is why I work my butt off to think of all these things. You know what's funny? Like, all these guys are like, these are redneck, right, white trash, dirtbags, white this and white that. You know, they, they they have this fetish with white. I don't know, this this like conservative intelligentsia. And we're smart, serious conservatives in the mold of Reagan. And these guys are just like, they're animals. They're, they're, they're no different than BLM. Mind you, they, these guys never had a problem with BLM and still don't really. And that's kind of funny. But... The thing with that is, the thing with that is that you and I, you and I that, that, that have worked so hard, if there is anyone who is a smart, serious conservative, it's me. I was always very studious. Let's do this tactic. Let's do that all democratically, all this, all that. You know, it's me. I was laughed off. No one ever wanted to do anything I, I did. Because they don't care. They don't share our values. If they did, they would have done what I... So that's why my conscience is clean. I tried in the primaries. Remember Chris McDaniel? I recruited him. They stole that election in the runoff. Republicans actually are not innocent of election fraud. They did it in the primary. Because we were expendable. And it was cute. It was funny. They were laughing about it. That's a whole nother saga. What happened to Chris McDaniel in that Mississippi primary. They've been doing this forever. They lie, cheat, and steal about it. There's something that like, it's so cute that these people, they, 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 they have testicles that are smaller than the virons of SARS-CoV-2. But everyone has to, has a need to feel macho, but they're so cowardly. So what they do is they wait for a time when they feel their principles and their sensitivities align with the media and the culture against us. And then they could go all out against us and dehumanize us. So it's funny, like these same Republicans that are so weak, they appear to be so, so weak and like beaten up. You should see them in the primaries. The, the, the shame, so many good men that have run for all the right reasons in primaries. Their lives have been destroyed. Their reputations have been destroyed. They run ads saying they're a bunch of liberal, dirtbag, frauds. This is what has been done to us. I've tried every avenue. And I'm still trying. 
I don't want any violence because I don't really see where it gets us anyway. Although we do need a doctrine of resistance. Of get off our lawn. Not offensively, defensively. And we have to be very very resolute about that. And just just politically and culturally, we are going to have to use the doctrine of lowest magistrate. And it's going to have to rope in local officials that are legitimately elected people. We're going to have to rope that in. If we're, I'm not saying morally you need to do that. We have a right to do it without that. I'm just saying to be successful, it's, it's, it's going to take that. That's just, a, that's just a sad reality, a grim reality of the noose that's around our neck. That's where we are. So I just want to say why, you know, how I harmonize my views of we're justified in rebelling with, um, you know, the point that like there's no point in aimless violence. It's it's a deep discussion and it's a very vexing issue. And I'm not going to tell you um, I have all the answers. We're in a very tough situation when you go decades upon decades, but really accelerating recently where you have one party that's evil of biblical proportions and another party that's half evil and half just complicit and complacent. And and we're left with like nothing and it artificially gives the left so many choke points on us. It makes it extremely difficult for us to do anything with any legitimate means. And, And this is a very vexing problem. But the point is, I want to. I, w- I really want to end off with a clip I want to play for you that is going to knock your socks off. If there's one thing you take away from today, I want it to be this. Marco Rubio spoke on the Senate floor. Oh, he's he is just so, I mean, he's just outraged. But he actually said something for 40 seconds that I thought was beautiful. He was so right about it. Except the only problem is he needs to look in the doggone mirror because he is the problem with that. But he made the following point. Listen to it. I think politics has made us crazy. Everybody in this country has lost their minds on politics. And we have forgotten that America is not a government. America's not a president. America's not a Congress. Let me tell you what America is. America's your family. America's your faith. America's your community. That's America. That's what our adversaries don't understand, and that's what we need to remember. That is how we're going to rebuild this country and turn the page and have a future even brighter than our past. And so that's why I feel so strongly about this and why I hope those who disagree with me will understand. Did you hear that, guys? Marco sounded like me. It was beautiful. Let me embellish his point for a moment to make the point he's making. We should all realize that this is so stupid. I've I've been saying this forever with elections. My point is, I said, if if our government was functioning properly, if it was constrained that the states did what they did, the feds did what they did, the things they're supposed to do, they did well, the things they're not supposed to do, they didn't venture into, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't have this acrimony because life is not politics. It's faith, 
family community is a beautiful, beautiful point. I've been making that point for so long. Elections in a republic shouldn't even be that consequential. Okay, so you lose an election. Fine, okay, you get to conduct foreign policy the way you want. You get to determine the some of the infrastructure projects. Okay, fine. Maybe there's a little bit of corruption. You have your cronies. Okay. I'm a little bit upset about it. But I could live my life, my faith, family, and community. But Marco, I got news for you. Government is indeed now America. It has permeated every facet of our life. Indeed, every breath we literally take on our nose and mouth. There is nowhere we could go without government. I was seriously considering changing my career and quitting this entire thing. I was so frustrated a year ago. I was like, look, I don't care anymore. It was after I took a vacation for a week and I didn't, I tuned everything out and I was so happy. I was like, why am I making myself sick? I tried everything I can. It doesn't work. I'll just move to a hundred acres somewhere, try to get another job and be happy, study the Bible, have my family, play games with my kids. That's life. Have friends, community, hang out with people who are like-minded. Faith, family, community. But then something happened, little Marco. March 16th. 2020 was the greatest revolution in the history of mankind where you could shout the word COVID in the form of a noun, an adjective, and a command. And poof, your faith and family are done. Your business is done. Your ability to breathe free air is done. Your ability to associate with community is done. When even studies have shown that rats get terribly depressed from being socially isolated. This is what you've done. You've taken out and and Rubio supports it. He puts out videos on this stuff. The irony is lost on him. It's unbelievable. He is why government has become America. It's him and all those Republicans and everything they stand for, and everything they have stood for since Reagan. Since 1988, when we haven't had representation. That is why we are where we are. He is so right. He doesn't realize how right he is. None of us, unlike the left, are political animals. And therein lies the difference. We don't need to be made out like we're terrorists and criminals. Somehow we have to hang our heads down in shame today, like we did something wrong. What do we ask for? We don't want handouts, just the opposite. Just let us earn our life. We don't even, as much as we're bothered by the left's values, they can have their sodomy all they want and do what they want. No one's trying to criminalize their behavior. You know, mind you, America's founding was started off with that. They had these laws in the 1800s, 1900s. None of us want to bring that back. Do what you want. Have your homosexual agenda. Do If you want to get a sex change operation on someone else's dime and they're willing to do it, do it. You want to live where you have California basket gates? We've already been resigned to that. But let us have some vestige 
We're all we ask for. We're not asking for a handout. We're not asking for a favor. Just don't shut our business down. Don't make it that my kid can't even go to a private school. Don't censor every option of anywhere to obtain traditional values. That's all we ask. We don't want much. We're giving people. Since when was any of this radical? They sound so studious and smart and we're like the the hillbillies. These people are maggots. Your conservative professional is more radical than a registered Democrat in this country is. That's how out of touch the political class is with the people. We don't seek to dominate them. Based on the contract of 1789, the social compact, we have the right to institute constitutional governance in all 50 states. But we are resigned and we understand the reality that it's a divided country. And you can't shove our will on other people. And that's why we don't seek to do it. We just want to be able to live freely ourselves. Just leave us alone. We don't ask for anything. And yet we are the dirtbags. But BLM could get whatever they want. Because violence is the answer. And crime pays. Not my view. That's Marco's view. Who thinks there's no problem with BLM. And he thought early on. As Mitt Romney did. That Antifa was an anti-fascist organization. No problem. But this is the most important point. I want you guys to take away. Marco Rubio's speech. And also the obtuseness. These guys think. They literally think they're following the constitution. That's what's so scary. The righteousness of these guys. Like a lot of people have pointed out that. What's his name? Joe Biden. I mean it's not him. It's whoever's pulling the strings. Seems to be appointing relatively moderate people. Merrick Garland is attorney general. He could have had some like Farrakhan guy or something, you know, or Cuomo. And all these phony conservatives and and Republicans are like, wow, this guy, you know, got to give him credit. He's really fulfilling his promise to be more moderate and work together. They're so stupid. They don't get it. We live in an era where AOC and Ilan Omar, I'm not worried about them. They're not stupid enough to appoint people like that. Those guys are open. Like, we need to overthrow the government. We need to institute socialism, yada, yada. You know, to their credit, they're honest. What we have are the very smart, serious-looking people. They don't look much different than, you know, the white, mainly, really mainly white males with the silver hair. You know, what you have seen in the 60s, 70s, 80s in America. Their attorney general general will look just like Ed Meese. Look, you know, look kind of the same. They don't really exude like the image of someone who is defecating on police cars and an Antifa rally or something. But they're going to say almost like a nurse ratchet video where you had that shock therapy and a very stern but serious righteous voice. This is what we're doing. You know, we're going to enforce the law. We're going to our constitution, our democracy is under assault. You know, this is the science. This is the this, this is the science and 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 these people this is an emergency, and they are a threat. Mo- Dar- um, 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 Merrick Garland is the very guy 
who will be most deft and effective at sending out marshals and ATF and whatever to come looking for people like you and me. And it will be all righteous because we're subverting democracy and they have to protect and save democracy. They need to do that. They have to protect science. The science says that men are women. And that is proven. That is not up for debate. And that debate is over. And you are being very harmful to people. And, you know, you are, I, I, I caught you not wearing a mask. You are a murderer because you, you have a virus. And I know you have a virus and you are getting people sick. And that mask protects myself. And you are a danger. And the Constitution gives me a right when, you, when you're a danger. I have to protect other people. Do you get the drift of where we're at? That's the beauty of these people. They'll actually say our points. Marco Rubio will say, you know, he will literally say with a straight face, America is not government. America is family, faith, and community. And we'll be like, uh, and what the hell is COVID, the new COVID constitution? Well, I mean, we have people dying. We're just asking you to sacrifice a little. Do, do this. You know, what, what's your problem? I mean, that has nothing to do with anything. I didn't mean that. Well, um, what about shutting down First Amendment? Well, but this is an emergency. People broke into the Capitol. This can't happen again. Do you get the drift of what I'm saying? I, I don't mean to scare you, but I do. <laughs> I mean, this is where we're, I, w- I have never been this scared in my life. And it's not because I think we're on the precipice, as some do on both sides, where you're going to have a mass scale people on the right do what the left does. That what happened yesterday is like some sort of harbinger of, of that. I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm scared. That what happened is going to be used as a pretext that they're going to shut us down. And when I say shut us down, I mean the last thing we have is just um, to speak out. Like in Australia, they took that away. And that's the only thing like we could speak out. Now, what they've done is, you know, because it's all one big government corporate complex. So they they have their the, the, the big tech basically shut us down. And I knew that, you know, we'll, we'll be off of all those platforms within the, a couple of weeks probably. But I never really was that seriously scared of getting a knock on the door or possibly not even a knock. No knock for Brianna Taylor. Yeah, those murderers and and drug traffickers and criminals. Those libertarians certainly won't be there to protect you and me when they kick in the door without a knock and come in there. I'm not saying this necessarily will happen, and I pray to God it doesn't. But dude, just understand, it's not Louis Farrakhan frothing at the mouth that is a threat to us. You're not going to see a Louis Farrakhan type of guy openly be in one of these positions. It's going to be a very technocratic looking guy that seems kind of reasonable. 
He seems to be very concerned with the technicalities of the law, of the science, and he wants to get it right. He wants to be fair. And this is fairness. They're being fair. This is what democracy looks like, folks. We cannot have people subverting democracy walking around without a mask. I mean, you are opening a restaurant. Opening a restaurant in middle of COVID? This is a real threat to democracy. I mean, you are threatening the Constitution. I mean, you guys might laugh and think I'm being sarcastic, but this is quite literally how these people think. And when I say these people, I don't just mean the Biden administration. I mean the Republicans cheering on Merrick Garland and the Republicans that were like just losing it over what happened yesterday, but never really cared about anything else. Never did. And that's where we're at, folks. It's a very dark time. I'm not as coherent as I usually am. I've just, I've, I've been up most of the night. I feel anyone who has a megaphone has to be careful with what they say and be responsible and be measured and balanced and strategic and do what's right in God's eyes. And we live in such a perilous time that legitimately there is no one right answer. But we have to pray and work on the best solution we can to this. But my point is, the more the Rubios and all those people work against us and play interference for what the left is going to continue to do. See, our, our natural thing is like we kind of back off. Even if we think we were right, we're like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm, we can't have this. Do you think the other side is going to back off? They're just getting warmed up, folks. You cannot imagine what is coming from COVID if we don't stand up. And you cannot imagine how many other COVIDs there will be. And I don't just mean other viruses, but I mean other pretexts to create an emergency to save democracy, if you know what I mean. And I think we saw yesterday all these conservative inkers, all of them, every one of them, I saw we're using the word emergency. They went nuts when we brought up the Insurrection Act. And we understand the problem with the Insurrection Act. We understand that you don't want to use it lightly. But our point was at the time, it was literally stage five cancer. It was They were everywhere. It was national in scope beyond belief. If there was ever a time it was an insurrection and, and justified under the Constitution, it wasn't one targeted thing with 100 people breaking into the Capitol, which they got control of. Believe me, they got control of it quickly. Now, look, I know there's many facets I didn't talk about about what actually happened. And a lot of shows are going to be focused on the mechanics of what happened. I, I honestly don't think they're as important as the things we did talk about. We will talk about more of that, but I do want to broach one point. And I think this is so important. We, we air this out. And I want to just get it out for my own consistency. So a name that 100% of Americans have heard of Floyd. I mean, everyone knows George Floyd. No one will forget him. Um, 
you know, most Americans can't, or a lot of Americans probably can't uh, name a Supreme Court justice, but they will know George Floyd. The name of Ashley Babbitt will be known by almost nobody. I mean, outside of like Trump supporters. Now, we don't know all the details. We see a video. We don't know all the details. Um, and, you know, from what I can see, but I don't want to prejudge, what she did is not something I think I would do or most of you would do to, you know, take an already smashed window and try to jump through it to get in. Um, and... I am consistent in my belief that we that law enforcement is entitled to harden government buildings and ensure people don't breach them. But again, there's whataboutism, and then there's a point where you reach a double standard that is the point of cementing and codifying in culture, media, policy and law the most just atrocious and appalling two-tier justice system you could imagine so whenever police shoot anyone nowadays even if they're charging that at them with a knife that person is god the police have to do everything they can to show their work and justify it and even if ultimately the political class agrees that we could allow you to get off, but it's terribly sad and unfortunate it happened. It shouldn't have happened. And it speaks more to the need for police reform. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not stating anything new here. That is something, and it, it is a point that is adopted by most of the professional conservative class. They agree with it. And certainly if you get down to an unarmed guy, no matter how much he wasn't cooperating and it wound up being an accident, he died of a heart attack like with, like with Floyd, that guy is a god. George Floyd is god to every, nearly every elected Republican. I mean, you should see the way they talk about him. Ashley Babbitt loved America. To my knowledge, she does not have a criminal record like all these people do. She was in the Air Force for 14 years and I think had four tours of duty in Iraq. Okay. There is no video of her doing any smashing or doing anything else. Again, it was very confusing because they were letting people in and there were a bunch of people in. And, and, and in a vacuum, you do, you do have a right to go into the halls. And again, in every protest in state capitals, Antifa, BLM, or union folks I mean, you remember the stuff in 2011 in Wisconsin, but it's happened in, in numerous state legislatures with BLM in 2020. They're in there. You all saw the video, and if you haven't, you could easily find it. Like, it took every... No one was expecting it. So, again, I'm very consistent here. My view is, and, and this is not the view of most of my colleagues, and it's certainly not the prevailing standard in the country. But if you are law enforcement and you are thrust into a position where you're going to have extremely volatile situations, you have to have the right training. You can't just shoot immediately. But I'm not into this, oh, unarmed business when you have endless people 
running around you, running towards you, certainly charging you. And you don't know if they're unarmed. And even if they're not, if you have a mob charging you, they could beat you to death. And you feel threatened. Maybe retroactively you'll find out it wasn't needed and it's tragic, but you are entitled to pull that trigger. And that is always my view. It doesn't matter if they're right wing, left wing, whatever cause they're doing, whatever they're trying to do. Okay? That has always been my view. But that is not the standard. And that hasn't been the standard. And this is really the other end of the spectrum. It didn't look like it wasn't like it was the first, like they had it secured and suddenly this was the first gush of people trying to get, they were already in. And this was like, they were kind of like hanging out at the door. One of the window, like what you do is get down, get down is what you would yell off the window. You know, you want to charge her with a baton and push her off. That shot was just like, there was something about it that I think, again, and, and, and we're very pro law enforcement. We're very pro self-defense. Like, I don't like this business of mob violence and somehow you can't shoot them. But, like, it really brought back memories of Waco and Ruby Ridge. Like, just a cold-hearted, like, just boom. Like, totally didn't fit what was going on. Very out of place. Didn't warrant it. And it's like, they don't even have her body. They don't, it's, it's, something's weird. Like, the husband doesn't even hasn't even identified or something. I mean, um, they haven't been in touch with the police yet. Um, Just very bizarre. I'm not saying pending an investigation, that guy should go to jail, even if it was retroactively wrong to do. I'm just saying that had that been someone who is black, and more importantly, for a cause that is deemed for that or for another cause that they support, or a white person at a Antifa rally. This cop would, within a year, be sentenced to life without parole. I'm just telling you. Maybe even the death penalty. Um, I, that is just a reality. And that should send chills down people's spines. When you have that degree of, we are expendable. You know what I'm saying? When there's this much scrutiny on the police and yet they feel and they know that, hey, our guys are, pff, no one's going to care. We're all a bunch of dirtbags. We had it coming. We deserve it. Again, I don't want to say categorically it was wrong. I hate it when you, there's bad videos that appear bad and I'm not going to apply a double standard there. I'm going to be consistent with my views. I'm just saying relative to what everyone judges off those videos. And I'll never forget, like, all these conservative thought people, like, whenever you have a bad-looking video, oh, my God, that cop. You know, because it's usually someone who's black and they're obsessed with race, these guys. Oh, my gosh, they're, you know, that's always a valid grievance. They don't look at what's just. They don't look at the facts. They don't seem to be bothered at all by what happened, and they kind of really are, like, happy she got killed. Then there's three other people who died and the circumstances, I don't, I mean, maybe you guys have seen more info. It seems like, you know, they had a heart attack or something like that. And, you know, if you have a crowd of hundreds of thousands of people, just statistically something could go wrong and, you know, it's hyped up. They can get a heart attack. But, you know, one person did tell me one of them was thrown down the steps or something. And again, maybe that guy was like, you know, trying to beat the cop. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, 
I don't want to, my point is not to rip on the Capitol Police. I don't have anything against them. And I think we need to be clear about that. But what bothers me is more the outcomes and totality of circumstances here. You and I are not going to have any backing. Oh, that juggernaut against the police. (sighs) You know, that's going to go out the window. There's a big mistake that so many of these people have made that they don't understand. They think they're very principled and they're consistent. But they're only principled when the media says it's good to be principled. See, it's funny. You'll, you'll never have someone, when someone is considered an expendable, you'll never have a guy like, look, he's a, he's a dirtbag, but I think what you're doing to him in the justice system is wrong. If that guy is viewed as right wing, because that guy has to die, you're not allowed to do what you did, Right. You don't deserve to breathe. And we feel because you're a dirtbag. But what these guys have missed, not we, is that you are playing with fire. Charlottesville. Let's talk about Charlottesville. None of us wanted to touch that. There were legitimate groups of, you know, hardcore white nationalists, neo-Nazis, People probably have pictures of Hitler in their home. I'm not saying they're all like that, but they're definitely war. So, oh, Nazis, kill them, kill them, die, violent. Well, what were the facts on the ground there? The reality is they were marching. You might have been sickened by their tone, who they were, what they looked like. They were marching. Antifa met them. And Antifa did all the violence. They defended themselves in most of those situations. I don't. Re- I haven't really delved into all of it, but I will tell you. Situations where several of them got life in prison. If you would apply it to anyone else, it would have been, depending on the case, either a few years or totally self-defense and they get nothing. I am of the Jewish faith. There's no love lost on neo-Nazis. But what I'm telling you is, you can't live in a society, you can't have a legal system where the politics influences the law and we're a law, we're a nation of men, not of laws. And, you know, I'm just saying, let's say someone shoplifts or larceny. So, you know, these guys never go to jail. We talk about that all the time. Oh, but you're a neo-Nazi, you get 50 years in prison. I could say I would want the guy to be in prison. I hope he dies. I hate him. But at the end of the day, none of us want that to happen. That is very scary when that happens. But they usually smartly start it with people who have no friends, have no voice. No one will dare come to their defense. I'll never forget, and you could look this up, and and, and, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't prepare this. I'm just speaking off the cuff. I remember, was it 10, 15 years ago, this guy um, who was a member of the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, he was in prison, and one day he was bashed over the head with a piece of concrete and was killed. 
And it was like, no, no one, it was like almost like good as good. He died. No one cared. The circumstances were very scary. I mean, just like with the Epstein thing, like, I mean, you know, he's the biggest dirtbag in the history of the world, but I mean, you, you can't be doing that, right? That that should disturb everyone, how that happened, how it was able to happen. And the same thing here, there's something about, especially if you're a right-wing Jewish group, like you, you are, I mean, your life is forfeit. You are done. That's what happened to Mayor Kahana, if you remember. I mean, he talked about, he, he warned about what the Arabs were going to do in Israel and terrorism and what they're about and how you can't live the same civilization. And he was, you know, he was a Nazi. He was dehumanized and anything could be done to him. And in 1990, he was gunned down in broad daylight by a Muslim immigrant who wound up being part of what would become the first World, World Trade Center um, Al-Qaeda cell. And it was the first Al-Qaeda attack in North America. And no one cared because he was a Jewish right-wing terrorist who deserved to die. What is said about people who have accepted that for too long is that, dude, what comes around goes around, and now they're there for you. You might have been smart and serious and respectable and would never do anything that looks icky, chaotic, or certainly violent. And again, I don't want that. I'm saying it all the time. The, the, the point of today's show is not to advocate, and therefore we need to just break into capitals more. It's not going to get us anywhere. Harass police just, you know, unprovoked is not going to get anywhere, it's, and it's not right. My point is to warn everyone all the other things I am saying that we need to do to mobilize and to start getting as many county officials, sheriffs, state legislatures, meet with them, give over this show, give over our concerns, and make it that elected people, and there are some good people, but they need to be directed properly, are with us, that we know there are certain counties that you can go out to that will be safe for us if the Kraken is released. And that that's all it is. I'm out of steam. I'm out, I'm out of words. I'm out of voice. I pray for your guidance. Let's pray together that God give us some sort of guidance out of this nearly impossible trap that we're in. May this be resolved with truth and peace. And no more blood should be shed over this on any side. This is what we seek. This is what we want. And with God's help and your help, we will achieve that.